Today, we continue in our series, Had It Not Been. And this series is all about God and who he is, his attributes. He is an all-powerful God. He is an all-knowing God. He is a holy other God. And today we're going to talk about how he is an all-present God. That means he is everywhere, at all places, at all times, outside time and space. He's everywhere. And there's some fancy words that are used to describe these big characteristics of God because it's these characteristics of God that really make God God. Like there is only one being, one thing, one super gigantic thing that is all-powerful, right? There is somebody that just by nature of the way the world and logic works, there is someone that has the most power, the all-powerful, like And that person is God. He has the authority and the ability to do absolutely anything. And then we looked at last week the good thing that this all-powerful being has also all-knowingness qualities to him. Because imagine an all-powerful being that doesn't also know everything. Like he'd be doing some stuff, some powerful stuff, some amazing stuff, and then he'd be wondering, oh, is this actually going to turn out good? Is this going to work out? Am I going to mess something up, you know? If he didn't have all-knowingness, he didn't know everything, and didn't have the ability to cause everything to work for good, well then, what's the point of having all power? And it's this God, this amazing, powerful, all-knowing God, That is on our side. Like he is with us and he is for us. And in Psalm 124, when we kicked off the series, we talked about how there was this bird, this image that the bird escaped from the trap. Like there is this idea that this God is on your side. And whatever is holding you down, whatever is holding you you back, whatever is keeping you kind of locked up, like God's power is with you and he's for you to get out of that get through it god's knowledge is is with you and for you to help you get through it and today we're going to look at this idea of that god in his all-knowingness and his all-powerfulness like he is literally with you always wherever you are wherever you want to run to, wherever you want to hide, and wherever you need God the most, God shows up right there. And isn't power or presence powerful? Like there is power in presence. Let's, let's not think about God's presence for a second. Let's think about the people's, people's presence. Like there is power in gathering together with people, to being at home with that person that you live with. There is power in the presence of people. And we desire presence. We desire to be with. With is a powerful word. We desire to be with one another. And when we're going through great stuff, we want to celebrate that with each other. You know, that we want to have somebody cheering with us and for us and supporting us. And when things are going great, we get the job promotion, we buy the car, we buy the, you know, it's like, oh, like we want to celebrate together with each other. It's no fun to do it alone but so many of us feel alone we are alone in many ways and when we're alone 
I just think we desire to be with someone. We desire the presence of somebody. When we're sometimes the hardest place to be is just trying to go to sleep. It's dark. You're putting your head on the pillow. And all the thoughts are running through your mind. It's just you and your thoughts. And it's like, man, this is, I don't like this. It's hard. It's difficult. It's frustrating. And it brings us to some really dark and, and difficult places. And in that moment, in those moments, it's, it's not enough. It's not enough just to know that there is somebody out there, maybe someone that loves you, maybe you love them, whatever the case may be. It's not enough to know that that person exists right just you your bed your pillow and you know that that person exists intellectually you know they exist like that's not that's not helpful to you in those moments you need them with you there <laughs> physically you know with you as best as they can it's not enough just to know that they exist it's also not really enough to know that like that person that cares about you that loves you like that person, they bought something for you. Maybe it was a Christmas present or maybe it was uh, something that they made for you, an article of clothing or, or whatever. It's also not enough to know that that person like got something for you. It's not enough to know like you're holding something from them in their hand. And it, like it's good and it's helpful, but you just desire presence, desire to be with. And the same is, is true about God. Like, it's not enough to just know that he exists. I mean, that's a good place to start. And it's also not really enough to know that, you know, he created this world and he does a lot of really good things for us and for everybody. But, like, we need to be with him. He desires to be with us. His presence is with us. And that really makes all of the difference. We just desire to be with. The desire for presence. And in this world of COVID that we live in, <laughs> presence is almost a bad word. I, I, you can't go there. You can't, you can't breathe on them. You know, you can't go in this room and it, it's all infected or whatever, right? And presence is almost like this hard thing. And so we say, okay, there's digital ways to connect with people. Let's just do it online. And if you're watching online, you're, you're, you're tuning in and tapping into the, the new thing, right? Everyone's doing it. And it's helpful. It's good. You pull up FaceTime and you, you Zoom and, and you do all of these things. And, and, it, and it's, a, it's a good kind of, it's better than nothing. But it's not with. It's not presence. Yeah, there's a really real thing. And uh, I don't know if you use Zoom a lot in your job or, or you're talking with family or, or whatever, but specifically for those that use it in their jobs a lot, there's a thing called Zoom fatigue. And it happens when you're looking at a screen for so long and you're talking with somebody face to face and you're looking at them and then all of the sudden, after a while, you just feel exhausted, like extra exhausted. And why is that? Well, they've done some studies, they've thought about it, and, and really, if you think about it, it's because our minds and our brains are wired to communicate with each other. We do that as human beings. <coughs> and what is said is not everything that is, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me. 
What is said is not everything that is communicated, meaning communication is a lot more than just words. There's body language. There's the way our, our eyes look. There's the way we smile. There's the way that we move. There's the way that we hugging and touching. And, and you're, you're communicating with so much more than your words. And when you're looking at a screen, our minds and our brains are looking for all of those communication things. We're trying to absorb it. We're trying to take it in. We're trying to understand it. And our brains and our minds are trying so hard to find those things, and they just aren't there. I mean, they sort of are, but our, like our brains are working extra hard through a screen to pick up on all these cues that you just can't, you can't get. And you get worn out because of it. And so it's really a valuable thing. Just shut off the camera and just talk on the phone or, or do the audio version because the audio, at least your brain and your eyes aren't looking for things that aren't really there. And that's, a, it's a, again, it's a thing. It's, it's Zoom fatigue. But it is a way to connect with people. And we do want to connect with people. And we should connect with people more than we, we do oftentimes. Like, we do, did you know this? We do what we want to do. Like, you did yesterday and you, you did today exactly what you meant to do, what you wanted to do. Now, of course, you're like, I got this long list of things, and I didn't get to all of them, and that's probably true. But what you chose to do is what you wanted most to do. And so sometimes... Just going and being with somebody, it might not be at the top of your list, but let's try and bump it up a little bit more. Like make time for people, make time for being with people, spending time with people, connecting with people, because the, there is power in the presence of people. And really, this kind of all relates back to if there's power in the presence of people, there's certainly power in the presence of God. And... Throughout all of history, throughout all of Scripture, it's the presence of God that is, you can trace it all throughout time. And so, like, think about it. Before God ever created the world, God existed. Three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit as one person. But there was community, there was presence. They, they were with each other before anything was created. Now, that's a mind-blowing thing, and if you don't get all of that, that's fine. <laughs> you know, you're welcome here, but that is, what, that is what we read, and that's what, you know, that's what we understand to be true. And God created the world. He created everything. He created the first human beings, and they lived in a place called the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve and, and God, they, they spent time together. They walked together. They, they, they did life together. And then all of a sudden... Adam and Eve, they, they chose to disobey God. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and something happened. For the first time, the first human beings recognized something called shame, something called guilt, and what did they do? They hid from God. And so they were hiding from God, and, and then all of a sudden God comes for their walk, you know, for the day, and God calls out, where are you, Adam. Where are you? You're not where you usually are. Where are you? God knows everything. He knew exactly where they were. What was he doing? He was helping them to understand that they weren't where they should be. They were hiding. God wanted them to identify where they were. And so that he could be with them. 
And as a result of Adam and Eve's choices, uh, God kicked them out of the garden, out of his presence, per se. And he said, an angel with this big flaming sword to guard the garden. And you think, oh, that's terrible. But he was guarding the tree of life. God didn't want Adam and Eve to live forever in this state separated from him, eat of the tree and and live forever in the state of sin and separated from God. Like God had this plan to restore or reconcile, bring back into relationship humans and God. And he had a plan for that. And so time went on, and there was a guy named Abraham. And God showed up to Abraham, and he's like, I want you to move from your house. Pack everything up. He's, got a, he's a rich dude. He's got lots of stuff. I want you to go, and I want you to move to this place. And Abraham's like, where am I going? And God's like, I'm not telling you. Just go, and I will, this is the key, I will be with you. It doesn't really matter all the details. I will be with you. And God was with Abraham. And God was with his son Isaac, and with his son Jacob, and with Jacob's sons, and one of them was Joseph. And Joseph became one of the leaders in Egypt. There was a famine, and all of the people came, the Hebrew nation, Abraham's descendants came, and and stayed in Egypt, and for they stayed there many years, and they became slaves there. And they had a struggle in Egypt. It was tough being slaves for so long. But God knew what they were dealing with. God knew what they were fighting against. And so God showed up in a burning bush to a guy named Moses. Showed up to him, talked to him. And Moses is like, no, I don't want to do this. Right? Do not take this from, I'm not, I'm not taking this assignment from you, God. <laughs> I am not doing this. I am not going to Pharaoh. I am not telling him to take my people out of here. This is not happening. And God said to him, don't worry, I'll be with you. <laughs> There's power in presence. And Moses did. He, he worked up the courage and God gave him some help and, and they went and, and he led the nation of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. And when they got there, God needed a way to interact with his people, to have a relationship with his people. God's presence, his holy, perfect presence, wanted to be dwelling with, living with, spending time with finite, sinful not perfect human beings. How does that work? How does holy, perfect God be with those who are not? Well, God instituted something called the law. Moses went up to the top of Mount Sinai and they had this encounter, gave him the Ten Commandments and a bunch of other things, and they came down and said, okay, this is how the people are going to have the presence of God in your life. You're going to have to go through all of these things, go through, do these sacrifices. And there was this thing called the tabernacle. It was the portable temple, the portable church, you might say. It was all these tents and poles and things like that, and they carried it around. And as they were traveling around the nation of Israel, where was the tabernacle in relation to where all the people were stationed? They had people all over the place. The tabernacle was where? Right in the middle. Because God wanted to be right with his people, in the middle of his people. And God's presence, his specific presence, he chose to dwell in something called the Holy of Holies. 
It was like the inner, inner, inner court of this tabernacle where his presence dwelt. And so they did that for a while. It was portable. It was a portable church, you know. And then there was a guy named David, and he had this, this dream to build God a permanent house. And so David's son eventually built it. His son's name was Solomon. And they built this big temple because that's where God was going to be. It was God's house. But Solomon knew. Solomon knew when he built that temple and he stood up and dedicated the temple, he said, God, yes, he's kind of choosing to put his specific presence here, but my God that I worship does not live in this temple. He is present everywhere all over the world. And Solomon knew this. And so that was a beautiful thing. But then some difficult stuff started to happen. There were some prophets that talked about the spiritual nature of, of the country and some exterior, exterior external <laughs> um, countries came in to just take you know, the people captive and take over. And, and the people just chose to stop worshiping God. And then we read in one of the prophets, Ezekiel, of how the presence of God, which was in the temple, right? There was a temple. The presence of God, Ezekiel saw in the vision, moved from the holy of holy place to the door of the temple. It was leaving. And then he saw that it moved to the edge of, of the, te- the, the whole temple, the out, outer court. And then later in the vision, the, the presence of God left. It, it went up to a mountain and it was gone. And it was like, wow, what? The presence of God. Then we went through this whole history of all of these things. Like God wants to be with his people. He created this place to be with his people. And now he's leaving. We'll pick up kind of where the story goes. But one of the prophets, his name was Isaiah. And I wanted to show you in this time of the kings and, and of this, of uh, the, the, before the, the presence of God left the temple there in that vision. In Isaiah chapter 6, I encourage you to turn there with me uh, if you have your Bible. If not, the words will be on the screen behind me. And we would love to give you a free Bible before you leave today in that new here area. Just ask for one. But Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah sees God, like sees him. (laughs) That doesn't happen very often, especially because God is a spirit, so it's hard to see a spirit. Um, But sometimes it happens. Sometimes God reveals himself in these ways, and the big word is theophany. Theo is God, and ophany, I guess, means, I don't know, appearance of God, something like that. So Isaiah chapter 6, it was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This, this picture of God is just beautiful. Attending him were mighty seraphim, those are big angels, each having six wings. Two they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Look at this beautiful picture of God being in the presence of God. Isaiah was was standing before God. And he remembered exactly when this vision happened. It was in the year King Uzziah died. And sometimes 
The things that are ruling our life, controlling our life, need to get out of the way, maybe need to die, maybe need to disappear before we can actually see God for who he is in a clear way. That thing that gives you comfort, the thing that gives you security, the thing that, I mean, the king, right? He's leading the nation. Everything's going well. Now the king's no longer there. And now you got lots of questions. Now everything's changing. Now you're wondering, is this all going to work out? It's in that year that Isaiah saw the Lord. And he was sitting on this beautiful throne, and the, the, the angels are calling out, holy, holy, holy. And we're going to talk about that in two weeks, about the holiness of God. What does that mean? And his whole earth is filled with his glory. And the shaking of the temple and the, the entire building filled with smoke. I mean, you just picture this amazing presence of God. This beautiful presence, this awe-inspiring, this, this all-consuming presence of God. And when you see God for who he is, you immediately see yourself. And Isaiah said, it's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I have live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal. He had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. We see God for his perfection, for his holiness, and we immediately see, oh, I don't deserve to be here. I am not even close to that. Do you know what I did last night? Do you know what I said? Do you know what, what I thought? Do you know who I was with? And it's like, God, I cannot be here. I cannot go near you. I am running as far away as possible. And when we try and do that, the angel, God, takes the burning coal from the altar, the sacrifice, and he brings it over to Isaiah and he says, your sins are forgiven, your guilt is removed. Like, I know you feel that way. I know, like, it's natural. <laughs> You're standing in front of God. But I forgive you. And you don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel shame. You don't have to hide in my presence because I'm forgiving you. And Isaiah Isaiah sees that. He experiences it. And then, it's an amazing thing to see God. And it's an amazing thing what God does to allow us to be in his presence, to restore us, to forgive us. To... But then, I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to his people? Who will go for us? Us. Isn't God talking? Right? Three and one, us. Who will go for us? Here I am, send me, Isaiah said. The presence of God is amazing. It is miraculous. It is, you just want to live in it. But the presence of God compels us to go, to bring the presence of God to other places, to other people the people that need to hear it, the people that need to experience it, the people that need forgiveness, the people that need love. God's presence compels us to go and take it out of this place. And God's asking you today, who is going to go for us? Are you going to go for us? Are you? Well, are you willing to say, here I am, God. Send me. 
wherever you want me to go, wherever you want me to take me, wherever you want me to do, here I am, send me. That's what Isaiah does. And that's what God has this conversation. It's a beautiful picture. And we see how God is ascending God. Like, yes, he brings people to himself, right? He calls people to himself, but God sends people. He sends people on a mission. He sends people to do things. He sends people to take his presence to the uttermost parts of the earth. God is ascending God. It's just who he is. And it's one of the things that makes God who he is. God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gives. God sends. God sends his only begotten son into the world. We read about that in John chapter 1. It's this beautiful picture of this sending where it says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's some more Trinity stuff going on here. And the Word is Jesus. The Word in the Greek is logos. It's a Greek concept of, of the logic. There is something, intelligent designer, something outside of this world. And the Greeks knew that. And John reaches into their culture and says, that thing that you know about, let me tell you about him. His name is Jesus. In the beginning, the Logos already existed, and the Logos was with God, and the Word was with God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. And the Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. And the light shines into the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Whatever darkness, whatever place in your life that you're not quite sure God is there, does God care about me? Does God hear me? Is God with me? I'm too far gone. I'm too in a dark place. God's light, the light, Jesus, shines into the darkness. The darkness can never extinguish it. And Jesus is with you, even in those places. He's with us everywhere. God is with us. He is all present. He is in all places at all times. And his light shines in the darkness. And as a couple more verses go, the word, this logos that shines into the darkness, it became flesh. <laughs> God put on a body. And he dwelt among us. And the Greek word there is tabernacled. We talked about the tabernacle a little earlier. God desires to be with his people. And here, God literally tabernacled. He's like, I'm going to be with them in a way that they've never experienced before. I'm going to be born a human being, and I'm going to walk with them and spend time with them. And, and the people are going to see his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's going to be perfect. God's going to walk along in this earth with people. Imagine Jesus, God, walking into your house. You get home from church today, you turn the, the, the computer screen off for the moment, and uh, you open the door and you see someone is sitting at your dinner table, and it's Jesus. What do you do? <laughs> How do you feel? God is sitting at your dinner table, at your kitchen table. Do you get excited? Do you get nervous? Do you get like... 
hurry up and run and like put some stuff away, shove it under the rug, you know, like I got to get this cleaned up. I got to, you know, hide some stuff or, you know, what do you do? God shows up at your house. But Jesus did show up at many people's houses all throughout scripture. We see different things. And one stood out to me was when Jesus showed up at the house of Mary and Martha, right? He comes over for dinner. And uh, these two ladies, these two sisters, are, are excited to welcome Jesus to their house. I mean, eating with Jesus, God, right? Spending time with him, laughing, talking, having a conversation. And Martha is busy doing what? Getting everything ready, right? <laughs> doing the dishes, making the food, preparing the meal, setting the table. She's doing all of this stuff, which is important stuff. Someone's got to do it, right? Someone's got to do it. But then Mary, at the other hand, where is she? With Jesus, sitting at his feet, just spending time with him. And Martha's like, Mary, you're not doing anything. Why are you wasting time? Like, we got, we got stuff to do. We got stuff to put together. And Mary's like, I'm spending time with my Lord. I'm spending time with my God. I'm just in his presence. I'm just with him. And Jesus gives us a little teaching. He's like, I'm not going to be here forever. Like, I got to physically, I got to go away. So Mary, I mean, she's making the most of the time that we have. And it's just something about the presence. There is power in presence of just being with, with each other and with God. And then, I mean, as amazing as it is that Jesus, God, walked alongside of humanity, you and me and, you know, all those people back 2,000 years ago, right? Jesus was walking with them. He then said, a little later before he ascended into heaven, he said that it is better for me that I am not here. To which everyone was like, what? <laughs> Are you serious, Jesus? Like, you're with us. God is literally, physically with us. And Jesus is like, it is better for me to not be here. I'm going to ascend to heaven, and I'm going to send you someone else, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to come, and he's going to dwell not beside you, or not on you, or not with you, beside you. He's going to dwell inside of you. Like he is going to be as close as humanly, physically possible as Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is living inside of you. God, all-powerful, all-knowing, lives, dwells, chooses to dwell. His presence dwells in you. It's an amazing thing. That's John 16. As the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, inside of me, inside of everyone who has put their faith and trust in Jesus. Every believer. And if you aren't a believer, you have questions, you're not quite sure where you're at with your faith, that's you know that's awesome. I'm so glad you're listening in and tuning in and, and learning and checking things out. I think it's a great place for you to be, the best place for you to be. And in the moment you believe in Jesus, he, he comes to, to live inside of you. God in you. It's an amazing thing, his presence inside of you. So what, is, what does that do, right? God inside of you. God's with you. Every decision that you make, every choice that you have, 
God's with you. He can help you, right? He can help you do things you want to do. He can help you to love when it's hard to love. He can help you to forgive when it's hard to forgive. He can help you to find grace and mercy and peace. He can help you to find joy. You're not left in your own strength and your own power to live this life trying to please and honor God. That's impossible, by the way. You say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right with God. I'm going to start living right and talking right and going to the right places and spending time with the right people. And, and you're going to fail. In our own strength, and our own power, it's like we can't do that. We, we just naturally gravitate and do things that are, like, go us the other way. But if God lives inside of you, well, then, of course, anything is possible. <laughs> you can do that. You can make those right decisions. You can have your life completely transformed and changed because the power of God is dwelling in you. It is helping you make those decisions. It is helping you think the right way. It's helping you in those relational struggles that it's hard to figure out. And God's like, I'm with you. I'm going to give you the words to say. God promises that in the presence. But had it not been for his presence in our life, well, it's up to you, it's up to me, it's up to us all individually to try and figure it out for ourselves. And I know personally how that would go, and it's, it wouldn't go well. But we have God with us. We have him with us individually, and we have him with us collectively. Jesus said where two or three are gathered, God is there, right? Did you know that God is here right now? He's here in me, he's here hopefully in you. And he's here, like, corporately. And sometimes I think in, the, in our life, in our world, like, uh, maybe it's just me who thinks this. It's like, man, if I could just, like, spend time with God more, <laughs> if I could just, like, get to wherever God is, and then, like, he could really help me with this area of my life. He, he could help me overcome this, this pride thing, or he could help me overcome this, or be more humble, or he could help me, you know, be a little bit more loving or be a little bit, you know, if I, if I could just get to wherever God is, like, certainly his strength and his power could really help me. It's like, wait a minute. Like, I am where God is. God is where I am. And we don't have to do anything special or necessarily or get anywhere, to, anywhere specific. Like, we recognize that God's presence shows up right where we are, right where we need him, right, and, and he is here. And in a special way, as the church gathers and multiple people get together, it's like this moment right now could be the moment that you need in your life, that you've been wanting for, that you've been desiring for God to show up, and he has. He is here. That thing you've been praying for, that thing you've been wanting, the thing that you've just been like, God, I need this, I need you to work, I need you to move, and God's like, I'm right here. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's live it out. And so, it's the presence of God. It's the presence of God that is awe-inspiring, that causes us to worship, that causes us to just be amazed at who He is. And it's the presence of God that causes us to see ourselves and our sinfulness and but God has made a way for us to be forgiven and then lives inside of us that empowers us to live a life for him. But the presence of God, as much as we want to spend time there, it doesn't keep us there. The presence of God goes with us. It sends us out. 
And we see that in Jesus' promise to his disciples, to those that follow him in the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's the verb, make disciples and go as you go. Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you never. (laughs) I am with you only when you say the right word. I'm only with you when you show up at church on Sunday. I'm only with you. No, that's, not, that's not what it says. That's not what your version says. I am with you when? Always. Even to the end of the age. See, the presence of God sends us out to go into the world, to go into our workplaces, to go into our families, to go into our wherever we are. And he promises to be with us to empower us to live out the Christian life, to follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, to do things that only God can do through me, through you. It's it's incredible. And one of the things, and one of the, I think, the most powerful things in our world today, specifically, is I've just, if you just take a look at where we're at, is people have so much content. You know what content is? Videos, websites, books, podcasts. There's so much content. There's just so much, right? You could watch the sermon from any church in the whole world, right? You're like, I wonder what they're doing in Kenya today, right? You could turn it on and watch it, right? You could, you could watch a sermon. You could listen to anything. But here's the thing about content. Content doesn't care. They don't care if you watch so-and-so, you know, from California. He don't know. She don't know who you are. But the more you ride in the car, I mean, I do. I listen to sermons all the time. I ride in the car. I feel like I know these guys that are talking. Oh, man, me and him are friends. We are like, oh, he don't know who I am. I mean, maybe he would care if he knew, but he don't know. He probably doesn't care. I mean, he can't care if he doesn't know. Content doesn't care. But (laughs) as a follower of Jesus, as you and me, as God sends us out with the presence of God, we go to places and we care. Nothing else can do that. Like you, you can do that with God's presence. You show up somewhere, you do your job, and you care for the person across the table from you that's sitting next to you, wherever they may be, and you care. You care for them. Like they matter to you because they matter to God. And as you go and you spend time with those people, you're literally, if you are a believer, right, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you're literally bringing the presence of God into their life. You're you're bringing God to sit at the dinner table as you share a meal together. He's with you in that moment. You're bringing God into these horrible situations where there's no hope and how are they going to make it through this day? And it's like, who's going to show up? And God's like, I'm already there. I want you to go there. I want you to get there because that's where my presence is. And you're bringing God's presence to these places that so desperately need it. And that's what God's presence does. It helps us to see him and his majesty and his beauty and his holiness. And we worship and we love 
We see ourselves and we learn to live in it. We learn to, forg- you know, to be forgiven and to walk in his love and forgiveness and grace. And then his presence sends us out to bring the presence of God to the world that so desperately needs it. Would you pray with me as we close? John, you are here right now. And you're here with us in every moment. Help us to know that uh, this week in a special way. Tuesday mornings when we're at our job, when we're at school, when we're with our family. Help us to know and really, 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 really believe that you literally, physically, in in whatever way we can comprehend, way, you are with us. And when we need you the most, you're right there. And when we just do our own thing sometimes, we wonder, God, if you really even care. Lord, forgive us because there's no one that cares more than you. So Lord, help us to really believe that and help us to take your presence to the people in our world this week. In Jesus' name.